Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Hopefully you're beating the heat, staying inside safely, and playing some arena. I've got a return guest to the podcast that is doing just that. Welcome back, King Omni. Hello, that is me. How are you doing so far? doing very good so far i've just finished my my cooking stream for today and i'm doing pretty good let's uh give the people a chance to find out where they can go watch that cooking stream uh that cooking stream would be on twitch.tv slash king underscore omni mondays and thursdays i cook tuesdays and wednesdays i play magic so mm. it's actually just magic all day every day it's magic on the kitchen or magic in arena <laughs> yes I might want to. Uh, I might want to go check out your stream. You said you finished a little while ago. Sorry, I missed it. Uh, give us a little recap or like a highlights. What did you manage to put together? So I made something pretty brand new, and uh, it was inspired from a couple of cooking shows that I used to watch uh, back then. I made what is known as King's butter, hmm. and it's pretty much uh, Amish butter that is mixed with. Flambéed Crown Royal whiskey. Oh, interesting. And the reason why it's called King's Butter is because every king, every king needs a crown, so Crown Royal <laughs> oh. and butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely got to check that out. It does. That sounds pretty uncommon. Um, I've uh, maybe once in my life tried to make some butter, and that's mostly churning a bunch of cream and maybe adding like salt and stuff, and you get there eventually. Mm-hmm. And uh, pretty much I use that to, as an ingredient in some pancakes, and I pretty much put the rest on top of my pancakes, and they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Do you get much of a flavor of the uh, of the alcohol? Uh, not much of the alcohol, but since I used a vanilla variant of it, you do get much more vanilla flavor. Oh, that's interesting. A lot of, sounds like a lot of complex flavors. Oh, it's actually really good. Mm-hmm. I made a banana pudding the other week. I was getting some bananas that were kind of uh, getting to the to the overripe stage, and I thought, well, what can I do with these before they they turn? And I looked up a quick recipe of banana pudding, and and it wasn't too complicated at all, and it came out really nice. Although I I saw that I had very little bit of the let's see what was what was the thickening agent. Um, not exactly flour, but there was something there that needed to thicken it up a little bit, and I had very little of it, so it, it didn't come out as thick as I would have liked, but uh, it was nice flavors. Okay. Also, um, there's a banana pudding brownie recipe that has eluded me for some time. Someone has made some, and they won't share the recipe, so I've been trying <laughs> to figure it out for at least the past couple of months, and I'm getting close to it. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like it's very esoteric knowledge that they don't want to share. That's currently my white will. <laughs> is uh, figuring out this banana pudding brownie recipe. Mm-hmm. Well, that would sound really interesting because obviously banana pudding is not as, uh, you know, not as solid as the brownie, but then it's still incorporating somehow. So it's like the best of both worlds. So hopefully you do figure that out. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to get some uh, insider knowledge on it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good amount of food talk because uh, you're making me hungry, but I'd rather be hungry for <laughs> magic at the moment. So uh, let's segue a little bit into magic now. Uh, 
Okay, well, the last time you were here, we were previewing this brand new hot set known as Ikoria, but then now the new hot set is Corset 21. Now, before we get into some Corset 21, um, any general thoughts now that Ikoria has been out a little while and we've had the change to companions and all of that? Um, now that the change to companions has happened, I don't hate them as much as I used to, or specific ones. Mm -hmm. uh, they're less annoying, but they're Yorian is still very, very practical and um, in modern. Uh, well, yeah, in modern, Luris is still aggravating, but that's just a given. Yeah, it seemed that obviously the lower cost companions. I, I was just playing myself. I was playing with Kahira because I like to play just fun, uh, weird stuff, and so having a beast deck was really fun where I could just pay where I could just play Kahira right out of the uh right out of its zone with that three mana, but now you've got to pay the three mana to get it into your hand and then put it into battle and that could be disrupted. So something with Yorian, however, you usually are just trying to control the board until you've got the mana for it, so it's not as much of a problem. Mm-hmm. But um the one uh car that I say it's now giving me more problems than any other car is Gem Razor because yeah. it stops all of my enchantments and it becomes aggravating at that point. Yeah, Gem Razor. That one that one's a uh, big old four four, I believe, and then right away it also destroys enchantments and artifacts when you mutate it and uh as a as a person that uh so so you're a judge if they if the audience doesn't know, but you're a judge and now with like all of these interactions about I'm gonna I'm gonna mutate my gem razor onto a Lanawar elf, you know it's causing so many interesting interactions. I bet uh, it can be done on turn two. Yeah, exactly, and you're already wrecking the other person's enchantment or artifact. Mm -hmm, yeah, especially with actually I don't know. There's very few uh, enchantments and artifacts that come out uh, by that by then, but yeah. And just use it to completely destroy it and have a 4-4 four four in the field. Yeah. So we'll see when is the we'll see when the next time companions make their debut. I know that sometimes Wizards makes something very interesting and unique, but then they put it aside for a little while, like when they did sagas that came out in Dominaria, and um Dominaria was in twenty eighteen, I believe, and now we're in twenty twenty and it returned with Theros Beyond Death. Mm-hmm. Sagas are actually pretty fun. I think so. I thought it was cool to see like the four chapter sagas in uh, in Theros. I wonder if they if they'll even take it like to five chapters or something. But I thought uh, when they first debuted as three chapters and they told a story and they did interesting things as they move along, I thought that was cool. And then it was nice to see them back again in another set that uh, seemed to support them lore wise. Mm -hmm. So, any other final thoughts on Ikoria? Uh, Ikoria is fun. Uh, I didn't do a lot of drafting. Uh, after a while, but Aquarius was okay. It was uh, definitely solid. There's some interesting cards that came out of there. Mm -hmm. And overall, it was, it was a pretty decent set. Did you manage to get any real-life cards? I did open, I believe, a box of Aquarius. Uh, actually, no, I opened three boxes of Aquarius. I take that back. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't keep them all. I pretty much like sold them all. Yeah. Just kept the good, kept the good stuff, but then uh, sold off what you weren't going to use. I uh, actually just sold off everything. I just really oh. wanted to just open up boxes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, get a little bit of that tactile aspect of it that's kind of missing from magic at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I opened a few things. Uh, I kind of do things in a couple of ways in terms of I like to try to complete a set, at least to get one of each card. And so I opened one box and then whatever were duplicates and such, I sold those off. But the the showcase cards, I really like that like comic book art style, movie poster style of things. Because there were a few of the creatures that I, I liked what their art looked like. But then the showcase version, I liked it a lot more. Like there was Cub Warden. Uh, that's that one uh, white cat that when it mutates, it makes some cubs. I didn't like the original art, but I really, really liked the showcase art. What about yourself? What did you think about the showcase style of art? Uh, the comic style art for all of the normal cards I actually really enjoy, mm -hmm. especially like especially for the triums. The trium arts I absolutely love all of those. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as the uh, Godzilla cards, I super fell in love with those as soon as they were previewed. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people don't like them, but I absolutely just love them. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting to go into that direction of here is a property that exists outside of magic and let's try to incorporate it although they've done it a little before they had you know sort of dungeons and dragons and they had the my little pony set and the like, transformers transformers yeah and then now uh godzilla so we'll see we'll see what other sort of other licensed products are maybe one day we will see you know a lord of the rings soul ring at some point there is a possibility i mean there's so many artists who have probably commissioned I've been commissioned to make Soul Ring, uh, Lord of the Rings style. Yeah. So who knows if we'll see an official one. Mm -hmm. One day we'll be able to battle our Spider-Man versus Venom cards in Magic as well. <laughs> oh, well, that was just overpower in the 90s. They already did that. Yeah, that might be a little bit too ambitious. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that was the last set we talked about when you were on the podcast when it was new and shiny but now there's another new and shiny set out which actually is slightly less newer and shiny by the time people hear this there was a brand new set that came out yesterday now peeking behind the curtain we're recording this on a monday this is coming out on a friday but on a thursday there's a set that we'll that we'll get to but before that set a couple of weeks ago we had corset 2021 so general thoughts on just the whole concept of this newest core set Drafting corset is so much fun. It's so fun. I honestly can't tell you how exactly how much fun it is. I have this is probably the set that I've liked to draft the most in, and mm -hmm. I saw a few uh, tokens of drafting left to do so in it, and I'm mm -hmm. definitely going to get to that. But I enjoy. It. I've actually gone like five and three a couple times, seven and two once. Mm -hmm. I love drafting this set. Mm -hmm. As far as constructed goes, it, it, I have literally started terrorizing people online. <laughs> what's uh, what's a way that you've been terrorizing them with cons with constructed twenty one? Oh, historic has become a new nah. favorite uh, format of mine because did you know that in historic you can play not one, not two, but all three to fairies. <laughs> And oops, all Teferi's deck. And not just all three Teferi's. They also have an enchantment that goes with them called Oath of Teferi. Mm -hmm. And Teferi's tutelage and all of these other Teferi-centric things. Mm, uh, Oath of Teferi does gross things. And I mean that very, I mean very gross things. 
First when it enters the battlefield, it just flickers something. You can flicker a land back to untapped. You can flicker what I usually use it for, a omen of the sea to get another card draw. Uh, flicker Teferi's Tutelage to get another card draw and mill my opponent some more. Mm-hmm. But that's the first part. The second part says that you have to activate your Planeswalker abilities twice per turn. And that's where the fun begins. And how much does phasing have to do with that fun that you're having? Oh. <laughs> so if my opponent has a quit by the time I put out an Oath of Teferi and I have three drop and four drop Teferi out, then they learn very quickly that uh, attacks don't happen for them. Mm-hmm. Well, not much happens for them. <laughs> because I'm going to make all of my sorcery spells instant speed and then I'm going to flick back one of their creatures. And then I'm going to loot twice and then phase out one of their creatures and then loot again. <laughs> that's a that's an Azorius, right? You're going with blue-white pretty much. You're not splashing in and you don't need to splash anything else with so much on No, board. I just I just need blue-white and that is all. It is cruel control without black. <laughs> it is the cruelest version of control. <laughs> People were joking that okay, we had five mana Teferi and it was pretty strong, and then we got three mana Teferi. People were joking there was gonna be two mana Teferi, so they put it at four mana, but it's mono blue, so that's that's not as much of a problem as if it's the two color Teferi. Uh no, it's actually not. Mm-hmm. What do you think about there being so many alternate arts of the new Teferi? Uh I actually do like them. I kinda wish um there's a way to reflect that in Arena, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure they'll probably figure out something maybe to have like an animated Teferi to where the uh, time squirrels are going around his person uh, in the cart, but mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. That's the one that I wish they had made it a little bit more obvious that stuff was going on. Because, yes, if you I, I've seen it like on Scryfall, when you load them all up and kind of flick through them with your mouse, you can see the animation. But obviously, uh, you don't really see it anywhere else. If you've got a copy of each one of those in hand I, in real life, I suppose you can flick them all, uh, but then you'll damage your cards. But um, I wish they had made it more obvious, like maybe the background was changing. Maybe it was like the past of Dominaria and then the current Dominaria. Maybe it's phasing. He's phasing through the various times. Like here he is when he was in the time of Ice Age. And here he is during the time of, you know, Urza and Mercadian Masks time and whatever. So I think that would have that would have been fun. Mm hmm. But um, for Drops of Fairy, he's just been he's just a solid card. I love the design of them, love the art style that um, has been chosen for that card, and I enjoy playing the card. Now you said also you liked drafting Core 21. Uh, what are like maybe some archetypes or strategies that you've found that you've enjoyed to uh, terrorize your opponents on, on draft? Uh, Boros is, is great. Just mm-hmm. Boros is great. Um... The one draft I went seven and two in, I managed to get the uh, Hound Master and both dogs, <laughs> and that was just real good. Plus, I also got um, Brash Tonner with uh, I think it's Brash Tonner, yeah, the, uh, something Tonner, Goblin that just like deals damage straight to face. Yeah, that card stops attacks. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a creature with trample, that card will literally stop combat. Mm-hmm. 
Is that the like the fixed stuffy doll or just a variation of it? Because now it's in red instead of being colorless. Yeah, it's a red stuffy doll. Yeah. And, um, and then if you manage to equip it with uh, even even uh, imagine imagine that with a col- uh, Colossus hammer equipped. <laughs> yeah. Um, or in my case, since I didn't have Colossus hammer, I used a dub. Nah. Uh-huh. That's a plus two, plus two, or plus one, plus one. Plus two, plus two. And first strike is long as you're in first strike. Yeah. But if you're not attacking with it, then you just pretty much start fighting other people's creatures. Yeah. It's pretty fun when they go into these sorts of directions about here's an indestructible 1 1. When you hear indestructible, you think, wow, that's really powerful. But it's just a 1 1 indestructible, but it does shenanigans. Mm hmm. And then you basically just build on to that, just build a monster that your opponent just has to deal with now Hmm. i've also liked the the draft um it i'm trying to remember what the best record i did was but probably something like yeah like five and three maybe four and three this last one that i did on saturday uh on stream we had uh, me and the stream had fun building it but i i think i only went like two and three um and i was trying to do boros and sometimes it just feels like things do ju- definitely jump out because i'm i think i'm seeing some of the strategies come together and i put it together and it just didn't go as good as the other times because i have done boros other times and it works sometimes also uh, blue white flyers so i think there's like a good amount of interesting uh range of cards and there's some really powerful things like if you pull that baneslayer angel that's almost like an i win card with five mana yeah, Blue Eye Fires has uh, been pretty good, especially with the uh, ghost that uh, bounces a non-spirit back. It's yeah. pretty solid. Mm-hmm. That's like the new generation of uh, Mana War, vaguely. You get a flyer, it does some disruption, and uh, unless your opponent has that spirit, but I don't think that's too much of a, of a stipulation. Mm-hmm, but... Um... It definitely uh, works well as basically some extra tempo. You just bounce a creature that they have back, and you basically get to either do an attack, or if you just need to buy some more time before it just comes to face, uh, this card is just real good. Yes. Beautiful art on that, too, as usual. It's like a very ethereal, glowing spirit. As usual, the magic art is is a home run. So it's kind of interesting when, when you see this new art with like kind of like classic art because Baneslayer Angel, that one was first published way back in Magic 2010. So that's, you know, t- that's art from 10 years ago. And obviously it's very good, but it's interesting to see the older style of art with the newer style. And when we get to Jumpstart, there's one card that was published in 1999, the art that came back in 2020. And it's just interesting to see that contrast. Uh, but what do you mm-hmm. think about like the art and the there's no actual story but what did you think about like the art and just the the vortithos aspect of core 21 so uh overall core 21 uh, just how it, the set plays the art direction that's taken on it overall i really enjoy this core set um mostly because i was a big fan of like dominaria mm-hmm. and basically just like a Teferi based set and with how this set is done it kind of gives me like it kind of reminds me a little bit of Dominaria Mm -hmm. and I truly believe right even now like this set hasn't even been fully broken open yet 
there's still a lot of cars that a lot of people just have yet to test that can be completely just busted wide open. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out the most efficient way to cram Ugin the Spear Dragon into every deck. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, that I've also... Uh, that's pretty much my standard deck. Is uh, I mm-hmm. play Band Control mm-hmm. for standard. And yeah, Ugin does Ugin things. Yeah. I never played that card when it first debuted, which was back in Fate Reforged. Fate Reforged. I played that card in pre-release because I was the only one who opened one. Oh, wow. And I opened it pack one. <laughs> and it was a draft? It was, no, wait, that was sealed, right? That was the pre-release sealed? Yes, it was pre-release sealed. Uh, it even had the, uh, like, little Ugin minigame where if you did, like, certain things, everyone would get, uh, I think the um, special packs or something. Okay, or the, what, what uh, was that? I think it was either the special packs where everyone got the, uh, alternate art, um, Evolving Wilds, which are actually pretty cool and still kind of worth a little bit to this day. <laughs> but the, uh, Ugin's Fate packs were super, super interesting and... I'm actually kind of. It actually reminds me of uh, when I did a double-headed giant with a friend of mine. The team who sat right across from us, the person who sat directly across from me, opened the Ugin's fate uh, variant of Ugin, and I was real sad about it. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now, and and uh, it does look pretty, um, pretty interesting, pretty different. So those were both. Yeah, like I said, I wasn't playing at that time, Fate Reforged. I, I got back into it in 2017, so it was a little bit before my time. But you were saying that there was, like, different... Uh, if you can just explain it a little bit more, there was an Ugin's Fate version and such? Yeah, so there were these uh, Ugin's Fate packs that were passed out uh, in pre-release. And each pack had, like, a different variant of a Fate Reforged card. That was, like, a different... It was pretty much different art. Excuse me. It was a different art for a whole bunch of different cards, and if you were lucky, one of those packs had a Ugin Spirit Dragon in it, and it had different art as well. So with that, uh, we say like if you open it, you can obviously play with it. But at the time, those uh, cards were coming out, and they were worth like one hundred and twenty-five dollars, just like on pre-release, and they just never have gone down <laughs> because they're so rare to find now. Hmm, okay. I guess that was like an early, vaguely sort of like VIP booster now that they're doing, uh, although it was part of the pre-release. You you couldn't quite get them past the pre-release? Uh, yeah, once pre-release is over, they, they just pretty much disappeared. Hmm. Unless you had like some store that was just like either selling them or giving them away or whatever, I'm not entirely sure. But I know for the pre-releases that I were done, there were so many people at the pre-release, like they just ran out of packs, hmm. naturally. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the price right now in Scryfall, and it's still uh, around $130, so it's really held its value. Mm-hmm. It just never, it hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The uh, the current one from Core 21 is still 20 bucks or so, obviously way less than that very unique one, but even the Fate Reforged one is about 30 uh, so yeah, everyone wants that Ugin. I've been trying to, uh, I was just playing earlier today with a historic, 
it's it's just it's just huge historic creatures. It's how fast can I ramp into uh, mm-hmm. little Ugin and then big Ugin and then Ulamog. And I played it a few times and uh, it works pretty well. Got a lot of cultivates in there and what else? That one, uh, I guess, circuitous route, I think. And it's just uh, you can get pretty fast to 10 mana and such. Uh, pretty fast with the right green strategy and then the opponents middling around with their four mana and then you bring out a 10-10 Ulamog and then <laughs> exile their lands and then they, they GG you. Mm-hmm. I think um, with that, I've kind of been wanting to play a Mardu Reanimator uh, shell. Mm-hmm. And the red will pretty much go to basically looting in the... Uh, Looting into the graveyard, and then the black and white will go into playing just reanimation spells like uh, Umberial Rites. Mm-hmm. There's also the new, like, five mana Umberial Rites, but obviously you want to go back to the to the good one, the lower cost one. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, for the lower cost reanimation spells, um, they have some restrictions that just aren't very great, or like the good reanimation spells that were uh, coming out in Jumpstart, they just aren't going to be historic uh, whatsoever. Yeah. They've already been pre-taken out, unfortunately. But I think it's also for the best. Probably. I think they've got some smart people playtesting and trying to figure things out, and uh, then when you've got the whole hive mind of the internet playing nonstop, they'll definitely figure it out. So preemptively removing a few a few cards there would uh, would make sense. Yeah, because um, Reanimate was one of the first cards that they listed that says would not be on Historic, and I was just like, that's a good idea, because turn one like looting mm-hmm. uh an Ulamog in the graveyard and turn to play and reanimate. Yeah, you lose 10 <laughs> life, but you have an Ulamog on the field. <laughs> yes. You've exiled their one land or two lands, and then you've got a 10 10 that's going to mill them for 20. Mm-hmm. Or if you happen to somehow get a, um, a uh, footfall crater on <laughs> one of your lands, and that becomes even much more scary. That becomes scarier. Yes. Because now this 10 uh, 10 has haste and trample. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a lot of shenanigans with when it comes to efficient mana. Yeah, so that was a that was pretty much a good idea when they um, definitely did that. However, some of the cards I don't agree with, like Bolton Path, I wanted to see in Arena. I still want to see them. Like those are just how can you not allow those cards? They're such iconic cards. Which one did you say? Uh, Bolt. Lightning Bolt oh, yeah, and the, yeah, Bolt and Path. Yeah, I, I thought you said Molten Path, and I'm like, what What card is Molten Path? No, no, Bolt and Path. Yes, exactly. Uh, very efficient, you know, one mana spells to deal with stuff. And uh, so you are in the camp that, like, a one mana Lightning Bolt is a little too much in, in Standard? Uh, in Standard, yes. In his Okay, maybe Historic also might be a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Path probably would have been fine. Yeah, because you've got like these really huge creatures that uh, do a lot. You've got Uro, you've got Questing Beast, and they're not that hard to get into. So maybe having some answers for that, some removal. Yeah, there's a little life trade-off there. But uh, so yeah, the list. I thought I, I thought there was a list on 
on the Watsi website that showed what was being replaced for what, but I couldn't find it because I've got the page where it lists everything that it's not going to be in historic, but I seem to remember that they had like a chart that showed this is what we are removing, but replacing it with. Do you remember seeing anything like that? Uh, I haven't seen the list of what was being replaced. I just saw the list of what was being taken out. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I thought I'm having some kind of memory, and I, I'm pretty sure it happened. I'm pretty sure I read an article somewhere on the on Daily MTG that said we're replacing, uh, you know, lightning bolt with lightning strike. I, I seem to recall there was some like one to one comparison of what everything was. I don't think it was like some some other like third party magic um, site, but I, I think it was the official Watsi site. But anyway, I can't find it. But uh, yeah, uh, here because lightning strike is already in historic from um, the um, Ixalan site. Yes. Yes, I, I'm trying to remember where, where I read that at, but I thought some of them were like very weird, like, okay, this was a really good, interesting card, but then you're replacing with something that like doesn't even make sense what you're replacing with. But I'll try to find that a little bit later but uh that so, looks like uh those are in the packs they're being replaced okay I, that is a little bit more uh understandable so some of the uh the cards are, are being replaced in the uh packs that you open up are being replaced with cards that are already arena like already working with arena Oh, okay. So instead of Path of Exile in the pack, you will get Banishing Light. Instead of, like, Lightning Bolt, you'll get Lightning Strike. Or Ball Lightning, you'll get Lightning Serpent. Hmm. That I can understand. Hmm, okay. I don't like it, but I understand it. Yeah. So, the um, Jumpstart, that, on the one hand, they announced, here's a whole new bunch of sets coming out. But then, on, so we kind of knew what's coming. But then, on the other hand, then they started to reveal that it's like almost 500 new cards, and not all 500 are coming to uh, to Arena. And uh, we're gonna get most; they're gonna get them in real life, of course. But uh, that's kind of like a huge set to to jump in a lot of interesting things into historic. So, what do you think about seemingly Wizards' um, push into making another another big format in Arena? I don't think so. Um, I think if any big format comes to Arena, it would probably be... It wouldn't be anything new. It would probably be something existing already. Hmm. But I don't see that happening for quite a long time. Because as long as it took for them to just constantly allow Brawl hmm. on Arena... Yeah. And I think it's going to be a while before we see another big format. Mm -hmm. I guess standard is what pays the bills, and the other things are um, an investment in time and effort and resources. But I, I really think that if, if the sooner they put more formats like Magic Online into this new flashy format of things, I think the more people will come and sign up and pay for things. I don't have any real data to back it up, of course, but it just feels like the more ways to play Magic on Arena, the more people will play Magic on Arena and spend on Arena. That's true. Uh, I know there's just quite a few people who don't like the flashiness of Arena, just like the simplicity of uh, Moto. Yeah. 
So it's pretty much that's one of the main reasons why it's still around and still kicking while it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people who just don't like the flashiness of it. Mm-hmm. Don't like like the, uh, huge animations of it. They just want to play simple magic as if they were playing the actual card game. Yeah. I'm surprised there isn't a setting to fully kind of dial all of that back just to the simplicity of it. Uh, and now with people saying that every new update sort of like slows their computer down even more, I'm surprised that there isn't a way just to turn all that off. Mm-hmm. And also it's not even, it doesn't feel like it slows my computer down. It just feels like the servers that connect between matches is what's getting slower and slower. It also goes away like after a couple of days because I think it's just like server being overloaded with so much stuff. Mm-hmm. When things are new, everyone's jumping on and trying out their free credits and all of that and just brewing everything. So, yeah, I'm sure that there's, uh, I'm sure that they've got a bunch of data behind the scenes that they could look at about like, this is the most popular day and time of the week. And uh, I would love to see some of that data because I love that sort of stats and stuff, but I doubt they'll release that. Oh, yeah, that's probably a blocking key. <laughs> yeah. So have you have you been doing much uh, brewing? Uh, any um, so you said you you had in standard uh, like that. Uh, oops, Alta Fairies. What any anything else that you've kind of been putting together uh, in construction? So I'm working on a Golgari list, and it's not quite done yet. But it's pretty much a. It basically is just if you have creatures, this deck is fixing. It's bound to kill them one way or another. Uh, just generates value. It basically, if I have creatures and I want to generate value with Fiend Artisan or Scoos, um, depending on which graveyard I'm going for. If I want to, if I know that I'm going to get rid of one of your creatures immediately, I want Chevelle on the uh, board, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the deck is just kill spells and Vraska. <laughs> How many uh, how many Vraskas do you need in that deck? All four or one or two to get the job done? Uh, just a couple. Mm-hmm. Not quite all four because I am still have other ways of just generating value mm-hmm. and making sure that creatures just don't stick on the board. But Vraska does come in handy when I need to get rid of like something cheap that's not a creature, like an enchantment or maybe like three drops of fairy. Yeah. And then that nets you a card when you sacrifice your own, your own thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which uh, actually pairs very well with uh, Treacherous Blessing. Treacherous Blessing. Trying to remember that one. What does that one do? Uh, enters the battlefield. You draw three cards, and every time you cast a spell, you lose one life. But if you uh, sacrifice the Nebraska, then it, as soon as it comes down, and you basically just draw four cards and gain a life for three mana Mm -hmm. that's one of those classic black cards in terms of if you're going to play black you've got to you know uh put your whole self into it here's a treacherous blessing for you all this great card drop but every time you play a spell you're going to get pinged yourself and if you're not careful you can you can wipe yourself out while you're trying to reach for the stars Mm -hmm. just like a bolus of citadel 
Yeah, I love that one. Definitely. I put it in, in most of my black decks and uh, that one, it can really get away with away from you if you don't pay attention to that life loss. And there's been at least one time, and, and that's way too many times, where I've tried to do the Murderous Rider off the top of the deck from Bolus's Citadel. And I remember, yes, I got to pay that three life for the for the uh, Treacherous Rider for the Swift End part of it. But whoops, I also forgot you have to pay the two extra more because you Swift Ended it. And then that was five damage to myself and that killed me. Mm-hmm. Too close to the sun and you get burned. Yep, a little bit too close to this, and um, I've actually been playing a mono black. Well, when I started uh, with the set, I've been playing a uh, mono black control style deck, which mm-hmm. uh, has bullets and citadel in the sideboard, and you can actually uh, tutor it up. But the mono black control uh, is basically just black is for kill spells, and the rest is colorless spells. And for artifacts or planeswalkers. Hmm. Well, that sounds kind of fun. It sounds like what I would like to play. If you can drop that in the in 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 my Discord at some point, I'd love to see that disc that le- that deck list. If you'd like to share it, sure. Uh, it's basically uh, a wishboard type of deck sure. because Karn's going to pull something out. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. And you get to play six drop. Ugin, and you get to play an 8-drop Ugin, which can become another 6-drop Ugin if you have your first one out. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I was seeing in the mono-green Ugin Ulamog historic deck, where if you can get out 6-drop Ugin, that'll make your other 8-drop into a 6-drop, and then uh, get out that Ulamog even faster. So it's just fun how they all c- kind of combo with each other with those cost reductions. Mm-hmm. And uh, Maze Mind Tome has actually been fantastic as a card. Uh, very underrated right now because it's not seen as much play, but definitely a fantastic card. Uh, Two-drop artifact that you can scry for free, or if you pay two and tap it, you can uh, draw a card and you put a counter on it. And once it hits four counters, it goes away and you gain three life. Four life. Oh, yeah, you gain four life. Yeah, I've been using that one too. I really like it. It's like... um... A variation on a treasure. What was that Ixalan one that would flip treasure? Treasure chest? Treasure something? Treasure map? Uh, treasure map. Treasure map. So I have kind of a variation on it, and you can sink mana into it to draw the card or simply scry. I, I definitely have liked that and a little bit of extra life. So for only two drop. So the curve has been in that uh, sort of like uh, ramp into things deck that uh, Maze Mind has really helped to smoothen out the, the draws with that scry. Mm hmm. It is definitely a fun card. Uh, definitely underrated, in my opinion. But I honestly have not seen it as much around or being played. But that card is definitely... I am pretty, I actually think I saw people talking about playing it in Modern. Hmm. I've heard some talks of it being played in uh, Eldrazi Tron. Well, it's definitely in a good curve. The lower the mana cost, the better. And with different... Um different things you can get out of it that I could see it play there. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're missing like a land drop yeah. and you have two lands out, you play it and at the end of your opponent's turn, you scry and at the beginning of your turn, you scry again. Basically you get to look at uh, two or three cards if you really need to. Yeah. Yeah. I, for- I, f- I forget about that. Sometimes that it's um, you got to set your stops so that before you, you do your draw, 
Uh, that's one of the things that I noticed that that arena makes it unless you're like in complete full control uh, that you you can you can miss that like that action before your before your draw. Mm-hmm. What about any uh, any brawl? Do you do any brewing with any any uh, any brawl decks? Uh, so I haven't touched brawl in actually a while. The last time I touched brawl was. Um... I believe it was a Korea with a Kine, because mm. he's my uh, last brawl commander that I've had. But outside of him, there's nothing. There's really nothing new that I have tried or anything I've done. Usually, if I want to play brawl, either play Keenan or I'll play a Yark. Mm-hmm. Those are just my two commanders. Mm-hmm. Did you do very many impressive things with a Keenan deck? Because uh, he's the one that uh, triples or doubles the uh, mana. mana he adds an additional mana. Mm-hmm. Um, Keenan plus Next Bloom Ancient makes mana go wee. <laughs> so it's usually just a bunch. I It's pretty much my version is a big mana deck. And if I had a way to splash red, it would be a little bit more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I definitely see people piloting that very well in terms of okay, I'll do my um, like Paradise Druid first, and maybe one more Mana Dork, and then Keenan is out, and then suddenly all the mana comes out. Yeah, I, I like I, and it's a, it's a strategy I like with my standards. It's just like just very big mana strategy mm-hmm. where my opponent either taps out or they just don't have anything to respond with and. I just make a, a, an obscene amount of mana to just play really big and dumb things. Hmm. Speaking of big and dumb things, I've kind of had a little bit of fun with a mono red brawl deck that is helmed by Gadric, the Crown Scourge. This is the three mana 5-4 dragon, but it cannot attack unless you've got four artifacts. And when uh, at the end of your turn, when a uh, when a creature dies, create a, a treasure so you can get it attacking. And uh, I've I've had fun with that in terms of because uh, when I like to build decks, if I want to get competitive, I'll look at like what uh, the pros do when they build decks. When I when I go when I want to climb the ladder, when I want to make my own decks and just have fun, like in Brawl, um, I made this one, and it's basically got all of the dragons that are in standard. Uh, so like Terror of the Peak and all of these fun dragon cards, and then a bunch of burn spells and a few, um, a few uh, equipment like Shadow Spear, of course. And uh, that deck's been pretty fun, you know, torching all my opponents' mana dorks, or just like uh, killing their own uh, brawl mander that comes out, and then just ramping into dragons. And when you've got the the Terror out. When any new dragon gets summoned, it t- then deals damage based on that power to any target. So you can really kind of uh, control things with that with that mono red dragon deck. I call it actually on my deck list there. I call it uh, Dragon Brawl Z. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, as far as M twenty one dragons, my focus has been actually more towards Terror of the Peaks. Yeah. That is a very nasty dragon to deal with. Yeah. I got uh, into the uh, Red Bull Untapped tournament this uh, this past weekend, 
And I forgot that when you play on standard, you can have more than one of those on the battlefield. And it was a pretty fast end for me. Yep. Uh, once two of them hit the battlefield, is you if you have no way of like instantly getting rid of them, then the game is pretty over. Yes. Because they just feed into each other. You've got one terror out and another comes out and it triggers the first terror. Then you've got two and then whatever else you summon, you're getting that double double damage. And now I'm going to build a brawl deck that is based around that. <laughs> It'll probably be a little bit more powerful if you build it with that Terror of the Peaks, but uh, just for like my whole uh, stipulation of it all, I like the, the, the low-cost three-mana three, three Gadrick just because you can keep summoning it a little bit faster, and I think that's kind of like a fun mind game for your opponent that I just killed it and it's back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've always, there's always been a point where I wanted to play Mirror March more in like some kind of hmm. red deck, and with Terror of the Peaks, that absolutely sounds like the best slash worst combination to have mm-hmm. that somebody's going to have to deal with, where you just Terror of the Peaks into a Mirror March and hopefully flip like four or five successful flips just to <laughs> end the game right there. Yes. And even if you don't flip that many, if you also had Fiery Emancipation out, then that's even more fun. See, now that's... Uh, I'm building this deck as actually we have this uh, <laughs> talk, and that's also going to go in the deck. So in the deck that I have now, I do have that. I have the Fiery Emancipation, and I equipped a Shadow Sphere onto one of these dragons, and I had the Emancipation out, and it was doing like 18 points of damage with one dragon. That is gross. Yeah. That is actually physically making me ill, <laughs> and I love it. It's giving you a fever with so much dragon dragon breath out. But I mean, dude, it's just the things that like Red wants to do is just make like enorm- just do really enormous dumb stuff like this, and it's great. Mm-hmm. It's just like all shock and awe because I've also got in there the Skargan Hellkite, so it's a 4-4 four, four for 5. It's got Riot, so it can attack in, in haste or give itself a counter. Uh, and then you'll be able to pick off things. Uh, yep, and I'm going to have the commander be Torbrand because, you know, why not? <laughs> He'll be the dragon lord of it all. Move over, Sarkin. <laughs> well, I have Sarkin in there too, actually, because then he becomes a dragon for a moment. And what I love about having Sarkin out and then one or two other dragons is that every, and whenever, you know, the, the, the opponent never reads the card. They, they see, there's a planeswalker, gotta go attack it. But they go attack the planeswalker, and what Sarkin does is it makes all your dragons deal one damage to the attacker. So they're sending, you know, a 1-1 one, one or a 2-2 two, two or whatever at, at Sarkin, but there's at least one dragon out, and all of those dragons fry the thing that's attacking, and it never gets any damage through. Oh, yeah. Like, you can, you can go attack that planeswalker if you want to, and then, like, all these dragons just straight up kill whatever's attacking it. Yeah. That's when I definitely see Arena slowing down, uh, multiple things attacking, and then I've got three dragons out, and each one's pinging each one, and that's when I see my, my connection stutter. <laughs> and then I'm just like, all right, how do I get through this? Yeah. Well, uh, final thoughts on uh, Core 21, and we'll talk a little bit more on, on Jumpstart. Uh, Core 21's fun. I love it. Uh, if you don't love it, then I'm sorry. I may have played uh, Trouble Teferi against you, and <laughs> I 
absolutely do not apologize for what I did. <laughs> Teferi does what Teferi will do. Yep, and Teferi does quite a bit. Yeah. I haven't noticed, but th- did they give him any new voice lines in his uh, in his newest incarnations, or is it still the same ones about, like, you know, let's I think they gave him down. a couple new ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't specifically remember which ones, but I do think they have given him some new ones. Yeah. That's pretty fun that they have these actors bringing these characters to life, and some of the uh, phrasing is a little bit more fun than others, but uh, I like how, how they give them personality. Mm-hmm. I just uh, wish that they also gave some voice lines to Rin and Seri, my my final pick for Core 21. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how they would do that, but it would be interesting. Well, I know exactly how they would get the voice actors that did Rin and Stimpy. Oh, that would actually be... That would actually be really funny. (laughs) Yeah. In the beginning, I kept, I just kept calling them Ren and Stimpy, and actually, I had uh, I had uh, Matt Tayback, uh, senior editor, which is the coast on uh, last week's episode of the podcast, and he also slipped up at one point and said Ren and Stimpy. That, that's what, maybe what they were calling it internally. I've met uh, Matt Tayback before. Uh, yeah. He's very tall. Yes, he mentioned that a few times in the podcast that he's uh, the resident reacher up to the top of the shelves person at. At the office. Yes, I've met him at a Gen Con 2018, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that is one very tall human being. <laughs> yes. He had a lot to say. He gave some secret intel that Karuga originally started. So right now it's a it's a dinosaur hippo, the type line, right? It originally started as a squirrel crab. Why could it have been a squirrel crab? <laughs> I have no idea how that would have even looked, but, you know, we got a nightmare squirrel, so I guess close enough. True, but also squirrel crab. I mean, mm-hmm. squirrel crab. <laughs> yeah, and that's what that's what its name should have been. It, it should have been squirrel crab, and it was legendary squirrel crab, just like we have skeleton archer is a skeleton and an archer. Yeah, just when you and it's just funny to like thinking about that. It's just like that's probably one of the greatest combinations of archetypes. Like that's not even something that you would have gotten in the previous. I believe it was uh, unset where we could combine creatures. Yeah, like that's just a new archetype that we haven't seen yet, and now unfortunately we won't get to see that. <laughs> well, maybe maybe. Because it seems like Wizards uh, saves stuff and then eventually it comes out one, two, or 20 years later. So I'm sure they'll put it in their back pocket and we'll see it eventually. Uh, We'll probably see it sometime soon. Yeah. His episode was the one that I had to break into two parts because we talked for almost... How long did we talk? Almost two hours. So I put out uh, part one two weeks ago and then part two last week. And it was just a really cool conversation that... uh, uh, that we had all about the inside world of, of magic. Well, um, Jumpstart, that's the latest and greatest set. So like as I said, if people are listening to it right now on Friday, uh, it came out yesterday, but we are recording at the beginning of the week, Monday the 13th, um, and Jumpstart has been um, re- uh, fully spoiled and 
That's a brand new type of set where I feel like it's a very good, like beginner friendly set. And like, here's some boosters mash up together and play. You don't even have to put a mana base together apparently, but I still, I want to see how that plays in life because I still don't quite believe it. But the cards, the booster packs are 20 cards and you mash them together and make a bunch of interesting archetypes. So general thoughts on, on Jumpstart. This used to be something we kind of did um, in between rounds of like FNM a few years ago. Hmm. And saying that actually kind of makes me sad because I actually used to go outside for FNM and yeah. I have not done so this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime between rounds, we would just like take random packs and take two of each land, mush them together, and then just like play literally off the top with draw some cards and then just play as is. And now to see that as an actual thing, as an actual product, is actually pretty neat. One mm-hmm. at one year at Comic Con, uh, in between the rounds, there was um, I forgot the name of the format, but it was just you played your opponent with just one booster pack, and I think it was when it was uh, Corset twenty nineteen, if I recall. So you just get some lands, you get one booster pack. And uh, you play the other person with whatever with whatever cards are in that. So this is just there's there's just so many ways to play Magic besides their standard, modern, pioneer, historic, whatever. There's just like hey, get one booster pack, some lands, and play. Mm-hmm. And now it's just you, and now you pretty much have this product that supports that, and it's definitely going to be interesting. To it's going to be fun to play with, I believe. So I'm an advisor to a card club, but we haven't met since the end of last year just because um, of the pandemic. Well, I guess back in January or so we, we played, I guess. But this would be perfect if we ever get back to playing in, in real life that way in the clubs. This would be perfect to have a booster box of that. And then when people want to join the club, we'll say, here, here it is. Just get one of these and you're going to put together this unicorn deck plus zombies and you'll have fun. But the only problem, of course, is that uh the the set has like a range of like fun intro cards plus powerful new cards and reprints so i think it's got a little bit for everyone it's almost like a core set but obviously focused because each pack has a certain theme but i just mean that there's such a range of types of cards for everyone mm-hmm. pretty much all new players and old players alike are i'll say they would definitely enjoy this uh new product yeah, let me see here. Oh, uh, yeah, this is the one that I wanted to say. Black Market. So this is um, five mana enchantment. Whenever a creature dies, put a charge counter on a Black Market. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, add black for each charge counter on the market. So um, I think for making absurd amounts of mana, that could uh, pretty be a pretty fun card. Although, you know, it's five mana itself. But this is one of these that this... Art was originally printed way back in Mercadian Masks, 1999. So as I scroll through the spoiler and then see all of this modern art, and then I see this one, they're like, hey, this one looks a little bit different than the other art. Not bad, of course, because magic art has always been amazing. But it's just interesting to see this classic, literally 20-year-old art versus in a set where a lot of the other cards are like the most modern style of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also... Yeah, just old school art like that. Even you have a dual cast of age, hmm. which is uh, coming back with its old art. 
And then you have your very super iconic cars like Linvala making a comeback or Core Spirit Dancer. Just these cars that you know very well and here they come back with the same iconic art that we just know them from. Mm-hmm. I kind of love the details sometime, or I would like to know some of these details sometimes in terms of I would love to see the these uh, cards ordered in like their age just to see what's interesting about what they decided to go back into the vaults to reprint like Black Market first printed way back in Mercadian Masks so that we've got Izamaru or Izamaru the Hound of Konda from uh, original Kamigawa that's also uh, when was that? Kamigawa was first from way back in 2004. So it's really cool that they can mix. It's really cool just the concept of magic that you can mix these cards that are 5, 10, 15, 20 years old and still put them into a set with like the most cutting edge brand new cards and put together some interesting decks and strategies. Mm-hmm. So I am super excited to definitely play this set. Mm-hmm. Uh Hopefully, I can find some people to play it in paper. Some people who I know that are taking proper precautions and staying safe. Mm -hmm. But who knows? I was going to say, who knows just exactly what we will see uh, once it comes up. We'll just have to pretty much wait it out. Yeah, it's just going to be a waiting game for a little while, and... It was kind of interesting to to think way back in like March when all of this started, and so I um like I said I, I I'm an advisor to to the local college club, and what they were doing at that time, what the administration was saying, well, spring break is about to come at the end of March. We're gonna shut down the school for the week of spring break, the week before spring break, and the week of spring break, and in those two weeks, we're gonna sterilize the school, and like that's you know kind of naive to think that that was going to get things done. And here we are in July, since all of this started and uh, don't want to deviate to it too much, but it looks like, you know, we didn't quite learn our lesson and uh, thing we're going to have to get locked down even longer. And I don't know, this is just very interesting times. On the one hand, it's, it's stressful and annoying and it sucks and all of that. But in another way, you can think about it. Wow, the year 2020, all of this has gone in the world. I lived through it. And you know, I, I I have something to think about in the in the future. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so any kind of plans of uh, for jumpstart um, possible brews? Uh, jumpstart brews. I honestly, it's pretty much going to just be all play by ear. Whatever card I feel like I should should go in something, it'll definitely go into. Mm-hmm. One card that I am most excited about coming back is a uh, Gonti, mm-hmm. Lord of Luxury. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite cards from Kaladesh. Mm-hmm. Let me see that again. So it's four mana, two three Death Touch. When Gonti enters, look at the top four cards of target opponent's library. Exile one of them face down. And put the rest at the bottom. You may look at that and cast that card for as long as it remains exiled. And okay, cool. So you kind of steal people's people's stuff. Mm-hmm. You basically steal a card off the top four mm-hmm. of your opponent's library. And I bet if you can flicker it, you'll get that. Uh, you'll get you'll 
you'll have two possibilities to work with, or does that first one go away if you flicker it? Uh, no, it uh, stays. It's, it's an ATV effect, so it basically, if you flicker it, it just keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty fun. Did you did you play? You said it was your favorite from Kaladesh. What? How did you how did you play with Ganti back then? Uh, with Ganti, it pretty much I was. It was definitely a good card to use against the uh, the what is that artifact? The uh, four drop. It's a good card to play against the energy decks because you get to not only still like the energy producing cards, also you would take out the uh, big payoffs to those uh, decks. Which like the, the time, uh, Aether Flux Reservoir, perhaps? Uh, not Aether Flux Reservoir. It was. Um, I will think of it shortly. Yeah. But uh, you definitely get to um, take out like big cards out of those decks. Like. At the time, Emrakul and Ulamog uh, mm. were actually big cards because it was around the Battle for Zendikar. Yeah. Um, stop. It was around the Battle for Zendikar standard as well. Well, I think at that time, probably Battle, Shadows over Innistrad, and then um, and then Kaladesh, right? Yes, it was Battle, Swords, Innistrad. And... There is a mythic artifact that I cannot think of off the top of my Aether Works Marvel. That's the one. No, okay. That's the that's the card that uh it definitely put a hamper into. Because hmm. most of the time when you're playing black, you're gonna start picking out their hand anyway. And then you just start picking off their payoff cards off the top of their deck and you start using it against them. <laughs> yeah total insult to injury they just need to reprint uh torox him or him to torox and then i'll be happy Mm -hmm. well insult to injury was a different set but (laughs) oh and uh going along with uh ganti my next favorite card was also in there panharmonicon (laughs) which is a doubling effect on enter the battlefield triggers yeah so you get to steal double the things. So I guess the um, well, I guess the official ruling is you look at the first four, do the exile of it, then it doubles it, and then you look at the next four. But I guess the net result is you get two things off of eight cards deep. Yep. So play Panamonica, which says if an artifact or creature entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So. It didn't just have to be the creature that entered the battlefield or the artifact. If something like triggered the artifact that was already in the field, it would also trigger twice. Hmm. So at the time, I was playing a five-color Panharmonicon deck because <laughs> I absolutely uh, was a madman. <laughs> and there was just like everything that you could want that just triggers twice. This is the deck for it. Mm-hmm. Get all your colors out, and you get a panoramic card out, and you just do very, very silly things. You do the best of every single color twice. Mm-hmm. I remember playing a match where my opponent had put out an Emrakul, and he had taken my turn. <laughs> and then my next turn, I had top deck. I had a, already had a uh, panoramic on the field, and I had top decked a Noxious Gear Hulk, and I mm-hmm. immediately played it. And destroy their Emrakul and just gain all, just gain thirteen life off of it. 
Yeah. But I destroyed another creature and gained life off of that as well. So it was uh it was definitely one of my favorite decks from that standpoint. Looking through these cards, it's really cool to see like uh here's the various generations of of car of magic cards and how they all kind of come together. Um, I was talking to, I was chatting with my stream a few weeks ago and I was trying to remember that one card. I was like, I, I remember reading an article that like someone was saying, this is like the most saddest savage art that I've ever seen in, in a magic card. Let me send it to you. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this particular card right here. Basically it's the dead children card. Yeah, bless spirits. Uh, I remember um, we talked about that card in the shadow in the shadows block. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like on so many levels, it's like such a it's such a gut punch kind of a card because you've got these like ghost children, uh, and then the um, the uh, flavor text is not all heroes die in armor. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty cute card, but it's like cute and tragic at the same time. Here's a conspiracy theory. One of the kids in the Blessed Spirits has actually come back as Tiny Bones. That would be very funny. Also, why is Tiny Bones such a popular card? <laughs> People like cute things. I guess even cute dead things. I guess. It's like I saw it and it's just like, okay, this is a, this would probably be a cool commander card and then Next thing I know, it's just like, this card is driving prices up uh, for a lot of things for some reason. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've read people's commentary on what kind of cool decks you can build in Commander with it. But uh, yeah, definitely like um, so you never know what the what the market is going to decree is like good for a variety of reasons, especially when you throw in Commander, where definitely there you can go CDH, CEDH route and do amazing things, or you can simply, well, I'm going to make a deck full of unicorns, so I need that card. Okay. I don't know Tiny Bones, uh, definitely pairing it with, uh, what is that enchantment? I should know it because it's one of my favorite from the uh, Waste Knight. Mm -hmm. uh, that's silliness that would start happening. But yeah, pretty cute. Uh, his like head's all askew, and he's holding some green energy or something. What is he stealing? He's stealing some sort of green mocks or something. I wish we would got like I wish we would get the super high quality versions of the art for some of these because you can easily lose the detail sometimes. Like for example, I I always blow people's mind when I tell them look carefully at uh, Field of the Dead, and there's actually zombies in the cracks of the earth. It's always, and that's always one reason why I like to look at, uh, or I will specifically look for certain uh, artists, um, like artist versions of the art from Magic, mm -hmm. because usually the little tiny rectangle just doesn't do it justice enough, and when you get to like enlarge it, it paints such a much different picture. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool that we can have this sort of closer relationship with the with the magic artists and they are and they love sharing preliminary sketches and early versions and like the artist that did the the kahira art uh he showed his diorama of actually like you know like play-doh sculpted creatures that he built first to then paint the kahira card mm -hmm. and uh it definitely like 
the artists definitely put in like a lot of amazing work into their art. Mm-hmm. And it definitely shows in these cards. Yeah. Well, um, final thoughts on uh, on Jumpstart on a scale of, uh, you know, how hyped are you on Jumpstart on a scale of 1 to 9,000? Uh, I am going to say I am excited to play it in paper if I get the chance to. I am slightly less excited to play it on Arena because not all the cards will be there. <laughs> yes, that's a fair answer. Mm-hmm. Unless they do like a Phantom Draft like they have done before. Yeah, like the cube that they had, that was Phantom Draft. So I don't know why they couldn't do that once in a while and, you know, charge way too much gold. But yeah, Phantom Draft to actually be able to play that Reanimate and that Lightning Bolt and all the other too powerful stuff they're they're not putting. Yeah, if in. they did that, then uh, it would definitely be fun. It would be fun to do. Yeah, I guess they don't want to confuse people. But sometimes I feel like the the uh, to be honest, I think sometimes the excuse of confusing people is too much of an excuse. If if it's confusing, it's confusing, and that's okay. People learn. You know, if a child, you know, touches a touches a, a hot something hot, they learn that hey, that's hot. It's dangerous. So if someone accidentally spends 10,000 gold on a thing and I don't get to keep the cards, well, you know, it's just 10,000 gold. You'll get it back, whatever. You learned. Mm-hmm. Just like the arena open, if you just go 0-3, then you just went 0-3 and you just get nothing. <laughs> yes. It's just how it is in a normal tournament. If you go 0-3 normal tournament, then congrats, you've earned a nothing. Yes, except the memory of playing the cards. Mm-hmm. Well, that might be fun to, to close things off. Usually I don't do it too often, but I'm just interested in your thoughts. Uh, as we record today, uh, did you hear about the banned and restricted announcement? Yep, I've already been discussing it all day today. <laughs> Would you like to have one more final thought on it on this podcast? <laughs> uh, historic was... Uh, incredibly reasonable. Uh, Pioneer was not. Mm-hmm. Modern was expected. Mm-hmm. You seem to have forgotten everyone's other format. Popper. Uh, was something hit from Popper today? I very, I very rarely pay attention to Popper. <laughs> Popper got hit with uh, banning of Expedition Map, which is supposed to slow down Tron. And uh, Mystic Sanctuary. Oh, yeah, Mystic Sanctuary. Uh, people have been asking actually for that to get banned in uh, Modern, which is weird. Hmm. Because when you think about it, there's like so many, especially there's like a lot of grave hate for Modern where you can just shut Mystic Sanctuary off. Hmm. So there shouldn't be really any like huge problem. Mm-hmm. But uh, Expedition Map, I can see. I didn't realize that Tron was such a huge problem in Popper, but I guess so. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show what I know for the, uh, as far as the, that format. Yeah, same here. I haven't uh, haven't really played it, but it's uh, interesting just to keep up with all of the changes of everything, even if even if I'm not playing it. Like, you know, I'm, I don't really do much Modern and Pioneer, but that was interesting there. And so, yeah, Pioneer, it's like... Uh, Let's uh, keep that uh, invert in those inverter decks around a little longer, I guess. 
Yeah, for some reason, uh, Magic Wizards believes that the Pioneer format is healthy, even though it is either Inverter or Soltai Control. And it's just like, okay, well, here's an unban for Oath of Destiny. It's just like, this isn't what this format needs. Uh, yeah. This format needs a way to deal with this deck that is very hard to interact with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Astrolabe and Modern, that, that, was, that needed to get hit. Mm-hmm. That definitely uh, was necessary. Chalk up another Modern Horizons card that was OP. Yep, that's two now that uh, got hit. Well, we had Hogak, and now there's this, and um, I feel like either either there were more that that I guess got taken out, or it's just that everyone was talking about that there were just so many OP. Uh, Modern Horizons cards like, you know, there's a Lord High Artificer and such. Yeah, I think uh, Hogak and um, Astrolab are the only two. Uh, Bridge from Blow is not a, is not from that set. Oh, yeah. But yeah, but, uh, there's only one card I actually went off the uh, unbanned list, and I know it's never coming off. It's just, it'll never happen, unfortunately. And that's Eye of Ugin. Eye of Ugin. That one, uh, what does that do? Uh, Eye of Ugin, uh, that is the Eldrazi land. That makes Eldrazi cheaper. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Banned uh, in modern. Yes, uh, because Eldrazi winner was a very strong thing. And no ban list modern when it was shown off uh, Eldrazi basically took over that format too so it's just never coming off the ban list yeah it's like people have long memories you know people talk about uh un- unbanned splinter twin and twin did happen. nothing twin did nothing wrong and so forth and but i think people just people have really long memories twin, yeah people who say twin did nothing wrong honestly have not really been on the opposing end of twin <laughs> playing a non-control deck. Mm -hmm. Uh, Twin definitely deserved its ban. (laughs) And I remember like playing Magic before Twin got banned and when I started getting into Modern and I played against Twin I was just like this deck is just miserable to play against because it basically like it's the same interaction over and over. It's Mm -hmm. oh do you have nothing to stop me by turn three well i'll flash this scene and then turn four win if you don't have anything to stop it then congrats Mm -hmm. i think now people also kind of maybe say it ironically just because they hear their elders say it and they weren't around when when it was around and with an influx of newer players it's uh, kind of interesting to see how Wizards deals with bannings of, you know, Nexus of Fate. That one, uh, that one got it. Nexus of Fate needs to be hit. And this is coming from a person who played that card in paper uh, <laughs> during Dominaria. Yeah, that card needed to be hit. Yes. I can't even speak up for it as much as uh, I played that card, and it was just, it, it was a problem. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the last... It feels like that was one of the last cards where it mattered 
that it was a buy a box promo because it was slightly harder to get, I guess. Although you can always buy whatever card you want if you've got the funds for it. So I guess uh, they thought it because was, it was only a buy a box promo. It did not appear in Dominaria packs whatsoever. Yeah. It was only in foil. Mm-hmm. And it was quite possibly the most aggravating card to deal with. In that time, if you did not specifically have single paid to deal with it, yeah, and that is the only card that could deal with it, mm-hmm. and that's what I mean about like, uh, you can easily craft it, get all four of them in arena, in in you know, digital, it's in arena, it's just a wild card, and one mythic is as good as the other but in in paper you had to do a little bit of effort to craft it and i definitely would feel for people in paper if they spent time buying it and crafting it and playing it but digitally with the pros and the cons of it all that like it doesn't even matter that it's a buy a box because yeah i'll just trade a well card for it and i have it i don't have to go uh, go out of my way to buy it and i know i'm not going to crack it in a pack and it's a buy a box promo but on digital it's like rarity doesn't rarity almost doesn't even matter in in a digital format i think uh rarity wild cards do kind of matter because well before they very much so did because go uh wild cards for rare cards were much harder to get than mythic was Hmm. but now it seems like that is flipped Seems like Mythic is now much harder to get than uh, rares are. Hmm. I know at the moment I I'm out of I'm out of rares. I have one Mythic. I'm out of commons, and I've got like ninety uncommons. I am out of Mythics, and I have forty four rares. Oh really? That's interesting. And I have four hundred plus uncommons and three hundred plus commons. <laughs> Do you think they'll ever do some sort of dusting system? Uh, it'll be nice, but I wouldn't hold my breath on it. Yeah, it does seem like some of these like really, really deep issues of Magic Arena, they might not be dealt with because they've got these other things to worry about, but I do applaud them for doing the uh, real person draft and putting cube draft in there and all that stuff and I guess eventually putting full-time brawl but now I want full-time historic brawl so we always want stuff as magic players yeah that's true Hmm. I mean it's what pushes the game forward yeah well um final thoughts on anything we've talked about or anything in the future there's still double masters but I don't know that's uh, for another podcast uh, that's definitely going to be an uh, interesting set to see during spoiler season. Mm-hmm. The Dublin Masters. Where do you fall in the, the thought that a lot of people are saying there's too much product and it's like a hype week every week and spoilers every day? Yeah, I don't listen to those people because that's the whole reason why we no longer have a Masterpiece series and I'm upset about it. Mm-hmm. You have to um, guide people to, I guess, the best uh, profitability. So instead of it being a part of a lottery card in a booster, I guess, moving it to another will just get more people playing more magic. Yeah, it's pretty much instead of uh, lottery cards being inside of a booster pack, now you have like an entire separate product uh, full of lottery cards. And it kind of takes the allure of them being lottery cards. 
Yeah. And then we're going to get the VIP booster, which is, um, I don't know exactly what's in it, but uh, some of the prices floating around, I believe they said those are going to be about $100 a pack. Yeah, that's going to be insane. I'm not looking forward to that, but also who knows? Who knows? Yeah. We'll see if they're worth it uh, when they come out. Yeah. Or when we start to get the, the spoilers for them. I don't even know when the time period is for, for these ones coming up, but when I was browsing one of these um, online TCG stores, they had said, yeah, pre-order Double Masters. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, Double Masters. They previewed a few of those cards a few years ago, it seems. But yeah, that's coming down on the horizon. Yeah, we still have a doubling. We know that doubling, uh, well, doubling season, which is basically the poster card of Double Masters is basically yeah. just going to be the main thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's also Blightsteel in there because it's in 11-11. Uh, so is Colony of the Vest. Okay. Yep, so plenty of magic product to uh, to pine over or um, to play if you can get your hands on it and in, in various ways. So thanks um thanks so much for being on the podcast tell people one more time where can they find you online you can find me online at twitter at pay underscore omnia that is k-a-r-p-e underscore o-m-n-i-a that is pretty much where i do most of my interaction slash uh post of just random wild thoughts that i may have uh you can also see me stream at uh, twitch.tv slash king underscore omni Mondays and Thursdays I do food cooking Tuesdays and Wednesdays I do magic very nice thanks so much for that thanks for being on the podcast again and uh, getting your perspective on all of the all of the cards that are out and coming out uh, well thanks for having me on the podcast again and uh, yeah magic is kind of fun uh except in historic if you are playing anything but the fairy you're not having fun <laughs> if you're not playing all things of fairies you're having the least amount of fun and you should probably correct yourself you heard it here first teferi equals fun so much fun i went on a rant about that <laughs> this has been vm campos and i'll see you in the arena